The healthcare system is fragmented, especially when it comes to integrating technologies across geographical boundaries. As digital health solutions become more prevalent in Australia, how do we extend these innovations from outside of Australia into regions like the Middle East? Think about all the tricky things like navigating the complex healthcare systems, different regulations and cultural norms. And if you actually do go global, how do you maintain integrity and efficiency of your health tech solutions? With me today on the show is Tom Souter from Synapse Medical Services. And in this episode, we talk about the international endeavours of Synapse Medical Services and their unique approach to healthcare financing systems. We learn about advanced health, an industry community initiative in the UAE that's bridging gaps in the healthcare ecosystem and lessons and pitfalls to watch out for when taking your health tech solutions into different jurisdictions. Collaboration starts with the conversation team health tech. Let's make it happen. This is Talking Health Tech with me, Peter Birch, featuring content and community about technology in healthcare. Between now and the end of June, we're conducting the 2024 Talking Health Tech audience survey. This helps us prioritize content, hone in key messages, and refine the show to make it even better. We also want to understand who the biggest cohorts of our audience are. So I'd love for you to take five or 10 minutes to have your say and complete the survey. Everyone who completes it goes in the draw to win a share of $1,000 worth of THT Plus membership credits to put towards a membership for yourself as an individual or to help get the word out about your company. The link to complete the survey is in the show notes of this episode or just go to talkinghealthtech.com slash survey. G'day Tom, how are you going? Yeah, very good, Pete. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for joining at a, I like to say, a mutually inappropriate time for both of us. You know, when you're getting both sides of the globe, it's just slightly out of hours on both. But thank you for, for making the time for the chat today. Because I, I guess you would say a long-time community member and first-time podcast appearance, right? Yeah, absolutely. So long-time listener, avid listener. Your dulcet tones have accompanied me on many a dog dog walk, exercise dog class. Walk. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, washing yeah, yeah. dishes. So um, I'm <laughs> delighted to be here and um, thank you for having me. I'm sure sure there's some kind of psychology thing that people associate my voice with like this menial task they perform while they're listening to a, an audio podcast, but maybe they get out and about these days or they watch on YouTube now, which is a subtle plug to subscribe to the YouTube channel. But for those that don't, maybe don't. aren't plugged into the THD Plus community or don't know of you, Tom, firstly, give us a bit more context about you and what you do. Um, my name's Tom, Business Development Director at Synapse Medical Services. So we are a medtech company spanning various jurisdictions now, originating from Sydney, focused on healthcare financing, healthcare administration, basically making things easier with our technology. Myself, so hopefully this is a little bit different for some of your usual conversations. My background is not health. So this has been a, a wild ride for me over the last sort of seven years of being with Synapse. So business development manager, director for the last 15 years. I had to work that out earlier. It's my birthday this week. So that, that, that scared me when I realized how long I've actually been doing this. But legal background and then moved into medical legal. And it's been a gradual progression to the real stuff, digital health, which I've been in for probably the last seven years. So uh, originating from the UK and then working overseas in Dubai and then Australia. And then here we are. So an experienced business development professional, I suppose, these days. 
Yeah, no, look, I, I love that you've got that experience and breadth across different parts of the globe. Like you say, obviously, a good understanding originating from the UK and the healthcare system there and, and working from the UAE as well. I'm quite involved in Australia. So I think we'll get into that a little bit more. But help us understand Synapse a little bit more because you mentioned medical administration and there was a bit around the finance side. And you come with a background of medical legal too. So I guess it's all interesting bringing it together. Yeah, so Synapse is 14 years old now, which we were working out recently, which is, you know, and it's been a heck of a journey for Margaret Foe and our management team in, in, the, in the last decade in particular. So we've transitioned from, I suppose, what you traditionally describe as a revenue cycle management company. So, you know, specializing in medical billing as a service, clinical coding as a service, medical transcription. Margaret, who I know has been on your podcast, started just doing the billing for her husband, who's a leading rehab physician, and it sort of grew from there. And then what we've done over these these past few years is transition to still having those services fundamentally at our core, you know, improving efficiencies, health financing systems, heavily around compliance, moving to medtech essentially. So we have key technology that's wholly owned for each of those services. So we have a leading comprehensive billing app in Australia where doctors can bill directly from the palm of their hands to the funds, to Medicare, et cetera. Clinical coding, we have an automated coding tool, transcription the same and then an education academy around these things and doing them compliantly. So I suppose for us, what we want to do, the passion is the sustainability of health systems across the globe now, and I know we'll come to that. And we just want to make things efficient, reduce a lot of the wastage, reduce a lot of the sort of fraud issues that are within every health system, whether that's knowingly or inadvertently, and improve that whole process. No more money, more money to go around on, on the, the things that matter. And it's been a while since we've talked about clinical coding on the, had a robust conversation around clinical coding on the podcast. It's um, fascinating in itself in the, you know, you mentioned originally Synapse starting in, and I guess like that outsource model, because in a hospital setting, so much process and control around like what happens after a patient sees the it, it, various clinicians and has tests, because it's all got to be coded up and like to get it paid it's got to be retranslated into this complicated process so I, I imagine a lot of groups would look to outsource that but it's interesting to hear that you know you're not just providing the service on behalf of them but now built out these technologies to go that next level and do it almost in a in a more scalable way am i kind of on the right right track then i think the thing is that, that we've built technology to aid clinical coders we're, we're not trying to remove them. We love clinical coders. You know, we still have a team of them. Um, Heather Grain, who's our coding manager, is one of the leading coding educators and coders across the world really now. But the, the problem that we found, and this is something fundamentally in Australia as well as the Middle East where we've worked, is there's just never going to be enough coders, right? Um, there's not that huge influx of people training in it, but there's a shortage and that means that there's backlogs, benchmarking issues, problems with reimbursement. So it's to try and supplement that. And I think what you don't realize until you're involved in it is you touched on it there in yourself, the complexities of it. Even the most experienced coders will disagree on certain points. There's a lot of training that goes into it. It's incredibly convoluted in detail. So to try and build some technology to support that, particularly with smaller facilities that might be in the back of beyond, you know, particularly in Australia, it just all builds into that. The financing part being a lot smoother, turnaround times being quicker, getting to your revenue quicker having more visibility on what's actually happening in your facility. So it's much more critical than I think people realize when they're initially discussing the topic. The Talking Health Tech podcast has evolved a lot over the years, all based on audience feedback. Now I need your help, yes you, to shape the future of this show. Between now and the end of June, we're running our biggest campaign to date, 
in order to understand what makes the global healthcare ecosystem tick. Last time we ran our Talking Health Tech audience survey, we learnt 40% of our audience are clinicians, 77% of our audience tune in for professional development and market awareness, 8% of people listen to Talking Health Tech for competitor profiling, and only 2% of people listen to the podcast to fall asleep. And this time around, I can't wait to find out about your preferences for audio versus video content, which topics we should dive into more, preferences for hosts and formats and geographical reach and so much more. And don't worry, we'll be sharing all the insights once all the responses are collected as well. So if you're a supporter of Talking Health Tech and you can spare five or 10 minutes, please complete our 2024 audience survey. And to say thanks for your input, everyone who completes the survey goes into the draw to win a share of $1,000 worth of credits towards THT Plus membership. Go to talkinghealthtech.com slash survey or the links in the show notes of this episode as well. From what I know, it's a um, tight-knit, nichey little community, that of the uh, the elder clinical coders within the hospital setting. And rightfully so that, you know, as you mentioned, the expertise level is kind of off the chart. I'd imagine that if you're building technology to support that service, there would have been a lot of time and effort involved in building that trust and credibility with that community. Otherwise, they just wouldn't accept it, right? Absolutely. And I think we're, we're moving away. It's like you said, it's been a long journey. And we're moving away from coders being stuck in the basement of large facilities and trying to modernize that, particularly for, for certain specialties and making things a lot quicker. And it might be, look, there's an 80-20 rule that 20% of coding may always need that manual review or checkpoint because it's so complex, right? People go into hospitals, they're there sometimes for weeks on end, incredibly complex illnesses and, and diagnoses that come along with that. So what we're trying to do is shift some of the resource and workforce so perhaps your coders can concentrate on that while the rest of it's being done for you. So saving time, resource, frontline care is improved. So absolutely. And you have to build that trust and go on a journey. And I think we've been building this AI machine, if you will, that's, you know, based around NLP, but not solely on that, you know, it applies coding rules, algorithms for the best part of a decade. And, and we launched AirCoder as it's known into the Australian market first in December, 2019. And then we've been on this sort of weird and wonderful journey with it since where people pop up in, you know, Kenya, we need this or Saudi Arabia, or we now have resellers in America and the UAE, which is where I'm based in our Middle Eastern office. So it's fascinating really that, that healthcare systems, as you know, are all very different and all on a different path with their digital journey, but fundamentally the problems are the same and it can be adapted and, and, and scaled depending on what that jurisdiction requires or what code set they're using or what potential backlogs they have. I was going to go down an AI rabbit hole, but then you, um, you know, also also brought up the point around this global acceptance or the, or the need in in different jurisdictions and parts of the world, and that probably ties in a little bit in terms of you know utilizing technology. There's just, there's just not enough coders, and the, the the breadth of the issue is too big for you know any kind of nation to deal with in some parts. Maybe specifically talking a little bit more about the UAE because you've been there for a while. What, of, of all the places you could be based, you're, you're in the United Arab Emirates. Tell me a little bit more about why there and what that's like. Well, I think we started by saying trying to find a time that was mutually uh, bad for both of us to start. <laughs> but I can completely relate to that, that, that a lot of the team that reports to me on the BD side are in South India, our wonderful Indian office, which opens a lot of doors for these international opportunities. And I'm happy to talk a bit more about that. Then obviously the Middle East, Australia. So time zones, I know it well. I know the problems of finding those convenient times very, very, very well. I think in terms of the UAE, look, we've had an office here for the last seven years. 
we moved here that one of the things that we're really trying to do is, is spread that Aussie work, you know, that Aussie knowledge and that Aussie know-how. And we felt that we had technology that could help in certain jurisdictions. Dubai, the setup process for our office there was was reasonably straightforward. We already had an office in, in India that's wholly owned as well. So it made sense in terms of time difference and geographical location there. And then we've been looking at opportunities and building those relationships in the Middle East now for the last six or seven years. And it's been an honor for me to head that project. I mean, it's been fascinating and a, and a wonderful journey for us. And now there's things like we're, we're working on a national infrastructure project in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, developing their non-admitted case mix classification, which is huge, right? Because coding outpatients, all of that, all of that piece of work, which is fascinating and trying to build that. And it's something that could then potentially be replicated internationally. So we're halfway through or, or ongoing with that project at the moment. So I think the Middle East has opened many doors. And like I said, because of its geographical location, there's a lot of different avenues that you can then go in the region, look at other places internationally. So yeah, I think that's a big thing for us and spreading that Aussie word. And yeah. for me personally, it's got a lot to answer for because I moved to the Middle East as a single gentleman and now married baby dog. <laughs> so personally, <laughs> yeah. well personally, it's been a hell of a ride. Yeah, exactly. That's fascinating around the, um, the system-wide implementation. So we're not just talking about, in Australia, we'll talk about not just implementing in a in a local health district where you've got a few different hospitals. You're you're talking about the entire healthcare system, right? That's that's not a a, a small amount of work to undertaking. <laughs> yeah, no, ab- absolutely, yeah, absolutely not. And I think the things that we learned quite quickly is sort of that the Australian modifications for things like this coding have been adapted in certain countries in the Middle East, Saudi Arabia being one of them. Every country has different infrastructures in the, in the UAE. You have the Dubai Health Authority. And there's different um, government entities in Abu Dhabi, the seven Emirates sort of working collaboratively, but all have their own ecosystem. And then obviously in Saudi, it's a huge, huge piece of work in terms of there's different clusters and just the size of, of the country there is, is so vast, as you say, that, and they're developing at a pace and they're developing their health systems digitally very aggressively. You're, you're well entrenched there now in terms of Dubai and building up that network. And there's a few parts within Synapse around education and everything, but there's also this stuff you do with Advanced Health as well. T- tell me a bit more about what that is in particular. So look, Advanced Health is something that I personally am very proud of. So when we were setting up Synapse in about seven years ago in Dubai, what we realized is that although we were in a place called Dubai Healthcare City, which you know sounds very grand and you think you're going to walk in there and going to be paved with gold and you're going to meet everybody that you need to know in the in the healthcare system in reality doesn't quite work like that and what we realized quite quickly is that there wasn't a huge plethora of networking events or healthcare events where you could meet the right stakeholders develop things organically as perhaps you'd like to in australia you know with the fantastic work that that you guys are doing there's nothing like that there so myself and a friend who's also involved in the healthcare sector but more from a farmer point of view we decided that we were going to try and create something ourselves so Advanced Health was born, and the third partner is a business ecosystem called Dubai Science Park, which is another one of the business parks in Dubai. And what we wanted to really do is just put on free events that were educational, touching on different topics each time, things that you know have nothing to do with the day job of sign up. So we've covered 3D printing, obviously we did COVID, rare diseases, whatever it might be, and just get people where people could come and listen to speakers, key speakers from the field and then learn, and then also it would become its own ecosystem. So I think we've done about 28 events to date over the past five years, always in person, COVID aside, we get about 100, 120 delegates to each one. 
and it's become its own thing now, right? So Advanced Health is its own brand. People come to each session because they'd like to see these familiar faces and learn about things that are on trend at the moment. And then obviously we also get new people that come for that specific topic. So the last one was on AI, for example, which everybody's talking about at the moment. Yeah. So it's grown into something that, that's wonderful. And obviously the aim for us is to host these events and then business will grow organically off the back of that, which is what we found. And obviously the Dubai ecosystem is not the largest. So you soon get to know people and then people know who you are. And that's obviously all what we're trying to achieve. So it's been very good for us in that point and learned a hell of a lot along the way, because obviously a bit like the, the content that you guys put out, it's yeah. not everything you come across on a day-to-day -day basis. No, no. Well, I, I can see why it, it makes so much sense for you to get along so swimmingly and, and be aligned with the vision from Talking Health XI because there's there's a lot of similarities in terms of why it exists. But that's super important, as you say, particularly if I think from, say, if I was an Australian organization looking to expand into other parts of the world, the mind might automatically take you to, you know, let's expand into the US or the UK or I even into parts of India or Asia. But for those that are thinking about expanding into other parts like the UAE, like what, what kind of opportunities might exist or any kind of recommendations or thoughts that come to mind for those that might be contemplating? I think it, it's a fascinating time and now's probably the right time to do it because the regulatory side is catching up with the technology and everything is being aligned. There's very streamlined processes for business setup, the direction that they want to take the healthcare sector in. They have the ability, unlike I would say potentially Australia and the UK, to get things done quickly. You know, if sure. it's mandated, this is what's going to happen. This is the route that, that we're going to go down. There's a very good collaboration between public and private. And it's open for investment. You know, there's various different business parks or opportunities where you can see the right setup for you. The Bioscience Park was perfect for us in that regard um, in terms of flexibility of license and um, services offered. So I think it, it's it's only going to continue to grow. You know, the, the UAE in the 10 years that I've been there is, is unrecognizable and they're certainly not stopping now, right? And, and, yeah. and the, same, the same with Saudi and the same for that whole Gulf region. So I think if you tap into one and you have the right partners, then... It just opens a lot of doors very quickly that perhaps islands, should we say, like oh, Australia, <laughs> the UK or whatever, might not maybe have those opportunities. Yeah. Or there's very different layers. You know, there's historical layers of management and government levels there that have to be satisfied, whereas in the UA, things can potentially happen a bit quicker if you've got the right product. But what I would say on that is it's absolutely not a plug and play. You know, you're not just going to take what you've got in Australia and replicate it. You have to do your market research. You have to find the right partners. You have to be willing to spend time on the ground and show that you're committed. But I think there's huge opportunities in terms of the hospital development, medical devices, even some of the conferences and everything that's happening there. So, and I think we've started to notice that, you know, Australia yeah. are big fans of ours in that region and big supporters. And there's more and more Australian. I was at the Australia dinner this January. I've been there for like the last eight years and there was a lot more Australian companies this year than, than any other. And I'd expect that to continue. When I think about, you know, expansion into the UAE, I think about really forward-thinking innovations or grand devices or, you know, kind of something a little bit more progressive than what we might immediately adopt in Australia. And do, do you see that on the ground or am I thinking about somewhere else? Perhaps I'm, I'm probably thinking a little bit more around Israel as well. Yeah, there's, and, and there's, there's been ties, yeah, there's been ties strengthened there as well recently, which is huge. So I think, yes, I think, look, I think that the key difference there is that you can come over and if, if you know the right people and you speak to the right people, you're directly then speaking to the government officials and the people that you need to. So you have that kind of direct line and there's lots of people like Austrade, for example, and people that are willing to help you. 
Um, there's a lot more international events taking place. So you can go and dip your toe and maybe listen to some of the speakers and listen to some of the innovations that are happening. They're trying to develop the country as a, as a research platform as well. So I think it's, it's very exciting. And I think there's a lot happening. And to be honest, that's one of the things with advanced health. We've almost become a bit of a conduit for people entering the market. You know, learn from our mistakes, learn from our successes. Who do I need to speak to? How can I help with that? I think that's all part of the process. So it's a, it's a very vibrant sector in that regard. And a lot of the people living there, myself included, aren't from there, right? So you have that willingness to help people. It's not this kind of, I'm all right, Jack. <laughs> you know, it's, you know, we've been through this. How, how can we help you and, and how can we grow this together? Fascinating. And I imagine then, like you say, that there'd be a lot of learnings that you would take. And it's great that you've got that global perspective too. If I was to apply that back to Synapse now and think a bit more forward facing about where some growth opportunities might lie, what can we look forward to seeing from Synapse? Yeah, it's a really good point. And it's a really exciting one because like I said, I've been at Synapse for seven years and Margaret and the management team have been building this thing for, for double that. And we still feel like almost we're, we're near the beginning. You know, there's a lot of exciting things to come. I think in terms of the platforms, we've got, we've got new versions of our billing app coming out at the moment that we help sort of thousands of doctors and facilities around Australia, but there's a lot more that we could do there. We're always looking for the right partnerships. You know, we have full APIs available, all to the relevant standards. There's a lot more that we could do in terms of growing that platform and, and the sky's the limit, particularly in Australia there. And then with Aircoder, Aircoder is really exciting because it's potentially, well, it is international. Like I said, we're using it in the UAE, Saudi Arabia. We have agreements to with resellers for other countries as well. Kenya being the most interesting one, perhaps. And moving into India as they're developing their um, benchmarking of, of coding and standards and how they deal with that. So really exciting. And again, Huge growth plans. We're speaking to relevant people at the moment. We have a couple of exciting partnerships to announce in the next couple of months. And um, one at home in terms of Australia and one internationally. So I think for us, it's just if we can help people with this, these technologies, we're more than willing to have the conversation. And we're always looking for those partnerships and to develop those relationships built on trust. That could be a good point to close out the conversation, but I, but I can't go past and, and wonder, working in Kenya, What's that like just in terms of just opportunities to really, I hear of stories of, you know, leapfrogging legacy tech and moving into more advanced technologies right away and solving big problems at scale. Talk to me a bit more about what's happening in Kenya. Like all of the healthcare systems that we work in, they're all at different degrees of development. So, and particularly in the areas of financing and revenue cycle that we're operating in. So, they're all trying to government mandates coming through at the moment. I think what I would say that we've hopefully done in the right way is find the right partner. So, you know, with some of these places like, like Saudi or Kenya, we don't have an office on the ground ourselves, but we have a trusted partner that's then going to develop that with us. who has that market know-how. So that's the way that we went through that. And then you're trying to navigate the, the regulatory and the government side. But if you've got somebody advising you of that, then there's lots of opportunities because everybody is trying to get their data into a unified format that can be used. You know, everybody is trying to do that in the right way. So it's just some are further ahead than others. And in some of the jurisdictions where it's more of a nation healthcare system, it's actually more exciting because there's so much development that can happen. And we really feel we've got the tools to do that. So I think watch this space, particularly with Aircoder. Like I say, there's just so much more that can be done there. What a great position to be in and, and really looking forward to watching that journey. Tom, I'll put the details for synapse in the show notes of the episode for people to check out and in the comments down below on YouTube and uh, to reach out. 
to be part of Advanced Health if they're looking to do stuff in the UAE or just generally learn about the clinical coding space more geared towards sign-up. So, Tom, I really appreciate you making the time. No, my pleasure. Thank you very much. Hey, thanks for sticking around to the end of this episode. If you made it this far, you're the perfect person that I want to hear from. Our THT Plus audience survey is now open until the end of June, and I personally read every submission. In fact, if you leave a comment in the survey that you heard this promotion in a podcast episode, I promise I'll reply directly to you by email with a personal note of thanks, and I'll even buy your coffee next time I see you in person. It's pretty easy. Just go to talkinghealthtech.com slash survey and have your say. For more content and community about technology and healthcare, visit talkinghealthtech.com.